You've just tuned into Beyond Your Past, part of the Mental Health News Radio Network. Welcome back to Beyond Your Past, the podcast that focuses on inspiring you to move forward from what's been holding you back in life. Each week, we talk with clinicians, coaches, mental health advocates, and those who've overcome tremendous odds and now use their journey to encourage you throughout yours. I'm Matt Pappas, Certified Coach and NLP Master Practitioner, alongside Joanne Suppressi, Author, Certified Coach, and Hypnotherapist. In addition to talking with amazing guests on the show, we share practical tips and insightful strategies that empower and encourage you to break free from anxiety, self-doubt, and the negative mindsets that keep you stuck. This is your place to feel validated and encouraged as you take your life back and live free from your past. So, hey, everybody, welcome back to Beyond Your Past. It's Matt and Joanne here, and we are excited to introduce this week's guest. Um, he is a chef. He lives in Arizona. His name is Spencer, and he's sharing some of his survivor story, uh, sharing about the book he wrote, and really just how he's been able to find his voice and overcome a traumatic past that kept him silent for for really decades. Joanne, I mean, it was really just a great show and he has, he has such an amazing story. Yeah, it was such an amazing story. And especially, you know, because he's a male, you know, speaking out about this, I think that's really important for people to hear. And so we could have, uh, so it can encourage other people, especially males to speak out as well. It's very important. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. And I mean, being a guy and speaking out, I mean, honestly, being a survivor in general is just, it's difficult to speak out because you are, you know, you're, you're afraid of what people will think. You may have been silent for decades, like Spencer was, like I was, like so many survivors are, we are, we are unable to find our voice for just a variety of reasons. And as we get older, you know, perhaps we go through therapy, we start to do some journaling, we do some self-care, we become aware of what happened. And we also become aware that what happened is does not define us any longer. We don't have to live in fear. We don't have to live in shame. And we can use our story to really help inspire other people to find their voice, no matter how long it takes. So um, Spencer does share a bit of his uh, abuse story um, as he was growing up and then how he was able to, to kind of find some solace, not only in some hobbies such as skiing, but he also talked about how he got involved in being a chef, right? Yeah. And what I think is really incredible about his story is we tend to find our safe space in like someplace quiet, you know, alone in the woods, you know, or around like somebody that we feel comfortable with and we love. But his safe space is, you know, a little unique compared to most people. And that's one thing I think you'll enjoy hearing. Yeah, for him to be able to find peace, to find purpose, to find solace in the kitchen, in his world of being a chef, you know, it just speaks to to really the 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 unlimited ways that we can we can kind of cope with with what's going on and ways that we can find to ground ourselves to find peace to find inspiration to find our voice his story is like so many others in that it took quite a long time to find his voice but also you know the main thing here is that you know through his book and through his voice he's he's inspiring everyone to to kind of break free from the bonds of trauma break the silence and understand that there's no shame and being a survivor, it doesn't define who you are. It may be part of your past, yes, but it doesn't mean that that has to hold you back to keep you from experiencing life, to have a joyful career, uh, you know, marriage and relationships and all the things that we've always wanted to do, even in spite of being a survivor. Yeah. And what I 
really appreciate about, you know, his story too, is it's a reminder to all of us, like you just said, that it takes time to heal. You know, this journey of healing doesn't happen overnight. You know, even though we may want it to, and we wish it would, it's a, it's a, it takes time and it takes effort. And by speaking out, you can help, uh, the journey of healing even more and then inspire other people to speak up and to heal themselves. And that's one thing I love about his story. It's a great reminder of that. Absolutely. It is. And so let's join that chat with Joanne and I and Spencer starting right now. So, Hey Spencer, welcome to beyond your past. It's Matt and Joanne. How are you, man? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me on. Well, my name is Spencer Gorman Prow. I'm currently an executive chef at a golf resort here in Arizona. I'm also the author of Solace and Chaos, which is basically my memoir uh, describing, uh, you know, my path of uh, abuse, to be honest. We are glad to have you here on the show, man. And so why don't we actually kind of dive into that? And we, we will definitely talk about the book uh, quite a bit. But before we do, um, if you're comfortable in sharing some of your survivor story, the events of your childhood, and then we'll kind of go from there. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, it's a, a tangled web of events. Um, it started, um, my sister was killed when I was 10 years old um, in a car accident. And within months of that, I was uh, sexually abused by a neighbor for about three years. And that took me to about 13 years old. And then luckily I was able to get into competitive skiing, which uh, took me away from um my physical address for, for a little bit. So, you know, the abuse was able to, you know, stop there. Um, but the everlasting effects, uh, last a lifetime. So and that's just the, you know, that's just the beginning of it. I mean, there's, you know, I think the, uh, you know, the, the traumatic, um, not just the physical aspects of, of the abuse that, that happened, you know, over the course of, of three years, it's the, uh, it's the emotional, damage that you know that lasts forever that i think the is the real journey and the dealings with as you grow older carrying that burden around with you especially being a male survivor i think is uh is you know the stigma is seems to be bigger than the crime because nobody ever wants to talk about it and that was the case with me for 20 some odd years before i finally was able to find my voice well, thanks for sharing that uh, some of your story with us, um, Spencer. Um, it's in this, especially as a man, like you said, there's. Um, I know when I came forward with my experience, with my experiences of abuse, like it was mostly women opening up, and once in a while you'd hear a man, and it was extremely um, hard for them to express the things that happened to them because, like you said, the stigma, and most men don't come forward. Um, so we we both know how these how being abused really affects people, you know, and like some people lose trust and isolate themselves and turn to self-destructive habits and so you know, like I'm curious to know like how did these events like change you? Well, I think the first thing that actually, you know, it took years to actually go back and and kind of had to relive some of that some of those events and and then dissect how they actually affected me rather than just being a quiet, introverted young kid, you know, I was able to trace it back. It's like, okay, there are trust issues. I keep everybody at arm's length. I, 
you know, I don't open up. I'm, I try not to be overly emotional because um, there's, there's always triggers out there and you have to be, and you build up walls to protect yourself from all these type of triggers. And, and they can be anything from listening to a, a song on the radio or somebody that doesn't know you as well, you know, cracking a joke about something that really brings you back into the moment. Yeah, man, I can tell you just uh, from one male survivor to another, it's, it's an honor to talk with you and, you know, your story sounds similar to mine in that it took you decades to be able to find your voice. It took me the better part of 30 years before I was able to even really uh, speak of it or admit it out loud to, to anybody. And so over the years, of course, you know, I found a lot of, a lot of freedom and healing by sharing my story as I'm sure, you know, we'll learn more about you as we go through here, you know, just anytime we can find our voice in any way possible, whether it's writing, whether it's doing podcasts, whether it's doing speaking engagements or whatever it is, it's always important that to remember that it, it doesn't matter when you find your voice. It's just a matter of at some point you do find it. And so maybe if you could share some of the coping strategies you use perhaps early on and, and some of the ones you use now to really help you cope with the memories and, and that type of thing, because I know um, as a survivor, it's always good to, to have, you know, a solid uh, foundation of, you know, skills and things to help us. Yeah, I think I probably took up the path of what a lot of abuse survivors go through with um, alcohol and drug abuse and, um, you know, failed relationships. You know, it it all kind of gets thrown into one big pot. And, you know, you know, some people are never able to escape those things. And it's, you know, it weighs them down. It's like treading water with an anchor on all the time. You're, you're carrying around this guilt. And I think, you know, that's how it was probably till my early 20s. And and I don't know what I think I got into cooking was probably my big escape where it's like a strange analogy. I think Michael Jordan said it best was, you know, when the when the pressure's on, that's when everything kind of slowed down and make, made the most sense. And working in a professional kitchen uh, was the same for me with everything that's going on the the chaos of of the kitchen as you know for might be stressful for others that's where i kind of was able to rise above thing else i was able to be laser focused on the task at hand and a lot of uh, i was able to put a lot of the trauma behind me so i can concentrate on what i was actually doing do you remember when you came to the conclusion that the kitchen was your safe place uh, I was probably in my 30s where once I I rose to the ranks, you know, I started actually washing dishes in a Chinese restaurant when I was 14. And I think uh, with everybody yelling and screaming at me to go faster in Chinese and not being able to understand anything that they were saying, you know, I figured, well, if, you know, if I can handle handle this, there's there's not a whole lot I can't tackle. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but as I as I rose to the ranks, I went to you know went to culinary school, and you know nobody starts off an executive chef. You have to work your way up. And I think yeah. once I was able to reach you know not so much the pinnacle, but to the level of executive chef, I created my own space. I was in charge of my surroundings and how people interacted with me, and having that control, I think was really kind of like the light bulb. They kind of went off and go, hey, this is, you know, I am safe here. This is my safe spot. Wow. You felt like you probably had some of your power back. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, it was, you know, it wasn't like a cognitive thinking thing like, okay, this is my space where I don't, I can rise above my abuse. I think it was kind of a symbiotic type of thing where I was able to take control of my life. And then later on, I'm like, okay, now I see, you know, unconsciously how I, how I managed all that. You must have felt like a huge relief when you were going through that time period. It was relief, but I think it was more of, you know, taking back a, a piece of me that, you know, was stolen such a long time ago. You know, somebody, when you're abused, the, the abuser takes away your self-confidence and your respect and all the things that make you a person because they want total control. And then when you're able to take back that control and a healthy fashion such as with your work or your hobbies or something like that where you're able to express yourself without having to think about the actual abuse i think is was really helpful i'm curious man so one of the things that survivors go through quite a bit and it's one of the most difficult things in my opinion um to to work through is overcoming the the blame and you know working through the the realization that we were not to blame and we didn't ask for it and it wasn't our fault. So I'm curious, maybe take us down that that experience for you of of coming to the realization that that this was not your fault, that it was not um, anything that you asked for and that you really weren't to blame. Because I know as hard as that is, when you start to work through that, it's incredibly empowering. At least it was for me and you know the clients I work with. So I would imagine um, getting to that point and realizing that you know, hey, I didn't ask for this. It had to be really a uh, just just very freeing, I would think. Yeah, I think a lot of that came through. I, I started um, writing a journal. I thought that, you know, putting it actually down on paper, um, I was able to, to break down all the scenarios and actually decipher exactly what happened. And there's so much that I suppressed that I didn't even remember that came forward as I was writing. And then I was able to, you know, it's like the, it's like eating an elephant. You can't eat it in one bite. You have to take little bits of it at a time. And I think as I was writing, you know, I was able to, to take all those memories and break them down into, it wasn't my fault. This is, this is how it happened. This is why I was susceptible to it or with the, you know, my parents dealing with their own grief of the loss of my sister, you know, the, the attention was, on themselves and their grief and away from me, which kind of left me on an island all by myself. And I think once I realized that, you know, it, that's just, you know, unfortunately that's how it, it all came to be, but I was able to break it down and be like, okay, this is, you know, it wasn't my fault. I didn't ask for it. Like you said, you don't heal overnight. It's a, it's a process, you know, healing's a, a journey, not a destination. So, you know, and then it still goes on today. I mean, that, I wouldn't say I'm cured or completely healed, but it's something I'm always working on. But now I'm, you know, when I'm thinking about it, I know where I'm at. Yeah, that's, that is huge right there, man. It's something you said that I always try and emphasize on this show and something that, that I know Joanne believes in too, is that healing from, from childhood trauma, healing from any, any kind of past abuse, there is no official I'm healed destination. It's an ongoing journey of awareness and you've got, you know, good days and bad days and all kinds of things in between. And you're always learning about yourself and the way that you cope and, and, you know, respond to flashbacks and everything. So 
um, just to kind of piggyback a bit, uh, you mentioned that you know you had started working uh, in a restaurant and you had also got involved in skiing. So, what types of support systems did you have? You know, once you began to um, well, actually, I guess growing up, were there any kind of support systems for you to be able to lean on, or, or were you kind of going this alone? And and maybe even today, now, do you have a support system in place to help, or or are you still kind of navigating this alone? Um, I pretty much navigated it uh, solo. <laughs> And uh, it's kind of had to figure it out on my own. You know, today now I'm, I'm lucky enough to my wife is actually a uh, vocational rehab counselor for the, for the state, so she's um, very understanding and she knows, um, you know, the whole story. And she's actually a survivor herself, so she can you know empathize with how I'm feeling. And um, you know, my kids are are aware. You know, I don't hold anything back from them. So, you know, when they know that, you know, dad isn't, you know, in the best best of mood, it, it might be, it's not something that they did. It might be something that I'm just working out myself. It's great that you have, you know, someone right now, I know for, for so many of us, um, and and I know Joanne has has experienced this with her clients and in her life. So oftentimes as survivors, you really have nobody and you have to kind of fly mm-hmm. solo for, for quite a long time. Right, Joanne? I mean, and then, but then once Absolutely. you do get somebody in your corner, you don't feel so alone anymore, but you feel like somebody understands and gets you, even if they're not a survivor, just, just to have them in your corner is huge. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I know for most of my life, I dealt with everything on my own, so I can completely understand. But um, I know one thing that did help me was writing. And um, you mentioned that you also did a lot of writing and you have a book. I'm sure writing Sol- Solace and Chaos has helped you um, with the healing process. So, Well, I think, um, you know, writing, you know, my writing started off as a journal. And then the more I wrote, I think the stronger I got and the stronger that I got, I realized that maybe at some point my story isn't just for me. There's a lot of people out there that are like me. And if I could use that, you know, maybe turn it into a book. And if that book can be a bridge for others who might not have a voice yet, might be able to read it and and glean a little bit of, you know, they're not alone type of attitude. I mean, writing is great, but I think, you know, when you're on your own for such a long time, you need the actual real you know, physicality of somebody knowing what you've gone through and being able to talk to somebody about it rather than, you know, a page in a book or on a notepad. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's very powerful to share your story. Um, and it, it does absolutely help other people. I know um, Matt and I have shared our story with so many other people and uh, we've been told so many times how much it has helped them to open up and to heal. So I'm sure, have you had those experiences as well? I love, you know, it's, it's not something I wake up every day. Like I can't wait to tell somebody about my abuse, but when the opportunity no. arises where somebody else has, you know, you know, I've had so many disclosures since the book came out of people that I grew up with and, you know, they didn't have anybody to turn to, but when they knew that they knew somebody who actually went through something similar, they felt safe to be able to tell me. And I'm not a counselor by any stretch of the imagination, but I know I can give them support and what worked for me and how I dealt with, you know, my situation. Yeah, there's so much power in sharing your story. 
it, it can do so much to help another person, as you have seen. So your book is available to the public, right? For people. Yeah, to- it's, a, it's available on, uh, on Amazon. I'm, you know, currently looking for, uh, publishers to maybe pick it up, but I get, you know, like any book, I mean, there's a million books published all the time and, you know, there's a format and, you know, but I think the stigma of male survivors, I think even publishers don't even want to touch. <laughs> they don't want to have to be, you know, tagged with, oh, we're the publishing company that deals with male survivors. Like it's a bad thing. It's like, <laughs> you know, if you use it to your advantage, you could be the, you could be groundbreaking and what, what you're trying to do. You can be part of the solution rather than part of the problem. Well, we're going to have to work to change that, Spencer, right? <laughs> yes, yeah. And you know what? Actually, Spencer, I, I was thinking about this now because I, I want to get into some of the reactions and the experiences since you've released it. But I got a colleague of mine, and we are putting together a book of survivor stories, and I would love to include your book in it, man. So you will get no backlash from us, and we would welcome to have your, you know, just like um, a part of your story or or something you've learned about yourself along the way, as, as, um, you know, as part of our book. So I'll reach out to you in the future to see if you're interested in that, but we would love to have you to be a part of our book um, as well, because you're right. I mean, when you, when a male survivor speaks out, I mean, obviously they are, you know, we are fewer and far between um, unfortunately, but that is changing, you know, for the better now, you know, because of people like you who share your story. And so yeah, we're not toxic, you know, we're, there's nothing wrong right. with us. It was, it was something that happened to us, not that we invited into our lives. That yep, I could not agree more, man. That is so well said. And the stigma not- around just kind of sharing your story at all, right, is just like, oh my god, keep it quiet. You know, you know why kind of dredge that stuff up? Nobody wants to hear about that stuff. But in reality, you know, or excuse me, but in reality, if you don't share it, you continue to suffer in silence. So I am, I am right oh, with yeah. you. Even my father had the same when he first found out. Reaction first reaction was, well, it was a long time ago. <laughs> there's some there's some wounds that that a time just just never heals you know and i think a lot of that was probably you know he didn't want to take any type of responsibility knowing that you know his son was abused under his own roof when he was home and he didn't know yeah i could definitely see that um definitely understand that but you know i i was thinking about the male stigma you know, how, how it's harder for males to speak out about abuse. And, you know, society has has tended to put on men that they have to be strong, you know, and um, they're supposed to be the ones in charge and in power. So, you know, I think that part of maybe men admitting uh, that they were abused, they might feel that that's tainted as well, you know, that they may not be looked at as powerful or strong anymore, but I think that actually would make them stronger, you know, to be able to speak. That's how I feel too. You know, I'm not afraid for people knowing what happened to me. If they have a a problem with the fact that I was abused as a child, that's that's on them. That's not on me anymore. I think you're you're brave. You know, to me, that's a sign of strength, you know, to be able to open up about this. Yeah, it is. And I think, yeah. And I think, you know, today, in today's society, and and I mean, I've covered this many times on this podcast before of kind of redefining that whole uh, stigma of like the man card and you have to be tough and, you know, men are not men unless they're standing around um, an engine block <laughs> drinking beer and cursing and, you know, talking about football or something. Right. I mean, that times yeah. have changed. And, and now believe me, I do like football and, you know, that kind of stuff. But sharing your story 
I mean, it's something that everybody deserves to do, whether you are um, a guy or whether you are a gal, anybody who can find the strength whenever you are at that point of being able to tell somebody and not be ashamed and understand that, Hey, you're right. I was the victim here. I didn't ask for this. It doesn't define who I am. It has affected me, but I'm still living my life. And, you know, of course, Spencer, you are a chef and you're an author here. And so you are clearly found ways to use your experiences uh, to your advantage, to help yourself heal, to help inspire others. And, what has been the like like the overall experience here? I mean, have you gotten any kind of negative uh, responses or reviews or or anybody telling you to just kind of keep it in the background, or has it mostly been positive, you know, for you and for the book? Um, it's been you know, probably ninety percent positive. You know, there's always you don't hear the negative; you just get the ghost treatment. I think when people don't, you know, want to actually bring it up because the, the stigma, like we talked about. And so instead of saying anything negative, they just don't say anything at all. And sometimes that's just as bad. I know there's, we have, I have one bad review about my book, but it's from my stepmother. <laughs> so, you know, go figure. And it's, um, yeah. you know, sometimes <laughs> when, when you, when you speak your truth, there's some people that might not agree with you, but they have to understand that it's, it, it was my truth. It's, it was my life that I, that I dealt with. And for a lot of that, they weren't, you weren't even in the picture. So, you know, you can't just go, there's three sides to every story. So you just have to take it with a, you know, a grain of salt and figure it out. How do you want to react to it? Yeah. Wow. Spencer, it's, it's, um, so it's been quite a journey to. Absolutely. But it's, you know, there's, you know, I think you learn, you know, at least for me, the process is it's okay to be vulnerable. At times mm-hmm, when you're talking definitely. about about your past, it, there's it doesn't make you less of a person. We're all human, and we all, yeah. you know, we we got, we're not yeah. you know carved out of granite. We it's okay to be sympathetic and empathetic to to people and and their situations. And I think it's you know I think it even I can relate to my employees on a more personal level, knowing that I like to listen to other people's problems. I mean. When you're executive chef, a lot of people come to you with all their 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 baggage from their, their home life because it's it is a kitchen and things get hectic yes. and people come in with bad moods and they want to you know so I, I use the fact that I've worked a lot of these things out to my benefit of being able to to be closer with my associates and, and my employees and be able to listen. I don't always have the best advice for them but sometimes you just need somebody to be able to listen yeah you and so through all of your experiences and your reflections you better understand probably many of the things that they're going through and i'm able to actually you know because obviously we're, we're running a business here but i'm able to you know kind of calm the waters for the time being and and say hey maybe we can talk about this a little bit later or maybe you ought to try this or this is what you know, and share a little bit of my story with them and how I've dealt with things. And, you know, it's the crazy thing about life. It's a, it's a, a journey of experiences and being able to use some of those experiences for the betterment of others, I think is uh, extremely empowering. Absolutely. And Matt and I can totally relate with that. But um, I was wondering, how does it feel like to actually talk about your abuse now? I don't know. I, you know, I don't, I don't get sad about it when I talk about it. I think being, you know, I feel like I'm 
one of many few male survivors who maybe I, I kind of get amped up about talking about it because I love being able to, to show okay. people that, you know, as terrible as it was, it, it didn't break me. I was able to, to rise above the fray and, and continue leading a productive and happy life. Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, you are rising above everything that you've overcome. You're using your story to help others. Uh, you know, you're using your experiences to help you in your in your career and as you continue to learn about yourself. And so let's kind of transition a little bit here and maybe share a little bit more about um, the work you do as a chef. And because um, I know a lot of times when we do these podcasts, it's always nice to kind of get a little bit more insight into you know, your world and the things that you do every day and, you know, how much you enjoy your job and perhaps some of the challenges that maybe you, you can relate to being a survivor and, you know, that kind of thing. I think the relation of being a survivor and what I do for a living is that in the restaurant business, every day is different. It's never the same. There's always, something's always going to happen. There's never enough time. Um, I think those are the challenges, you know, somebody calls off, how are you going to deal with being a person short or, you know, there's a, a steak gets overcooked. It's how do you react to, to certain situations? Um, are they knee jerk reactions? Are they something that's, you know, over time I'm, I've been able to kind of program myself to how, do, how am I going to react to each situation? You know, I want to work through the problem and not create a bigger one because it's such a, it's a, it's a business of, of instant, results i mean because it's it's not like you're building a house where you can be like okay let's stop and rethink this a little bit because it's you know isn't working just right i mean the restaurant there's a dining room full of people and they want their food to food yesterday <laughs> so, yeah, so you're constantly think you're constantly thinking on your feet <laughs> and trying to put out you know the theoretical fires there they're obviously happening happening all around but i think the Going through what I've been through actually helps me with with being able to think and react to those those difficult situations in a more positive manner. It's pretty amazing how our other experiences can affect, you know, can help us deal with some other situations that happen in our life. It's pretty fascinating how that all works out. Um, I was wondering, since you're a chef, when I heard we were having a chef on, I was wondering, like, what's your signature signature dish or do you have a favorite food that you cook? Uh, you know, I think when I was younger, I used to, I used to have, you know, cause I've worked in French restaurants. I've worked in Italian restaurants. I've worked in, you know, multicultural fusion restaurants. And I think over the years, I've been able to take all of that and kind of put it in a melting pot. And then what comes out is, Ooh. is, is me. I like to be, you know, when I create something, it's part of me that's actually on the plate. It's, it's also the instant gratification of being able to start cooking something and then having a finished product almost immediately rather than a month-long project or a year-long project. And uh, But as far as a signature dish, um, it's whatever is inspiring at that moment, I guess. Um, you know, I don't know for sure. I'm not a, a painter and artist, but I think... I think somebody starts with an idea and they kind of, as they go along, it kind of transforms itself into the finished product. And that's kind of how I kind of look at cooking. I don't have the exact, you know, recipes down. I kind of make it up as I go along. And there's always things I want to, to, to change or tweak a little bit. 
but you know that's the that's the artistry of it. Well, sounds like there's a lot of passion put into your food. When you when you when you were saying about you know just kind of um, you know having like a fusion of all the different things that you've experienced, I think that's a great way to wrap this up and just you know understand that as a survivor, the experiences that you endured, the things that you learn about. The, you know, along the way, the the confidence and resilience you get by sharing your story, the coping strategies at all kind of um, comes together in this ongoing way of, de- of developing the person that you are and learning about yourself and, you know, taking pride in your work and, and being able to accomplish something and put your stamp on it and be proud of it. Um, you know, you know, regardless of whether you're a chef or an author or whatever it is you do, finding that kind of joy and and peace um you know in the midst of uh, of life and being able to be you know so proud of something you've you've created is amazing man so we are we are so glad that you came on the podcast today before we go though if you want to share where everybody can find the book and give us the title again and um anything else you'd like to leave with the listeners that would be great oh uh, titled book is solace and chaos a chef's memoir it's available on amazon it's also available kindle version um and I think, uh, you know, hopefully it'll be available on other outlets in the near future. You know, something that we're, that I'm working on. That's, you know, I think, uh, when I actually published the book, it was more, it wasn't more about the sales of the book more than it was about getting the message out. That, you know, the more that we talk about it, you know, it isn't such a scary thing. And the culmination of, of the experiences in life, I think, you know, I think all of us are, basically a recipe in this journey that we're all on, whether you're an abusive survivor or not. It's We're always trying to, at least we should hope that we're always trying to take a step forward rather than a step back. Could not agree more, Spencer. This has been amazing. Thank you again for taking some time out of your day to, uh, to yeah. talk with us here on the podcast. And we uh, consider it an honor to know you now. Thank you, ma'am. Yeah, it's such an honor to have you on. And I, I'm sure that your message is going to inspire so many people. Fantastic. Thank you again. So thanks for listening to this interview we had with Spencer. And uh, this is our two minute takeaway. When going through the healing process after abuse or trauma, it's helpful to find your safe space like Spencer did. Being a chef in a busy kitchen was his safe place. He felt in control and powerful there. Everyone's safe place is different. Some people feel safe alone at home or outdoors taking a hike. Some may feel safe being around people they love or taking a drive. Also, speaking out about abuse can be challenging for many people because of fear of invalidation or rejection. However, most people have discovered that the benefits of speaking out outweigh any negative responses they may receive. Sharing your story allows you to heal deeper and to realize that you are not alone. It also encourages other people to feel safe to share their experiences, which allows them to heal more and to feel like they are not alone as well. For decades, men have been more hesitant to speak out than women. Society has placed pressure on men to appear strong and powerful, which meant that men should never cry nor appear vulnerable. Thankfully, the perception of what is strong and powerful is changing. It takes real courage and strength to speak out against the person that abused you and to share your story with others. By speaking out, you take back your power, are part of the solution, and bring a more awareness to abuse. Thanks for listening. Please leave a review on your favorite podcasting app and share it with at least one person who might benefit.
Thanks for listening to Beyond Your Past, part of the Mental Health News Radio Network. Information shared on this podcast is for educational and informational purposes only. Nothing on this podcast should supersede the direction of a medical doctor or any mental health professional. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe on your favorite podcasting app and leave us a review. We would sure appreciate it. Also, please consider sharing this episode with someone who may find it helpful. If you would like more information on working with Matt as your coach, just head over to beyondyourpast.com and schedule your free one-hour chat. If you'd like to learn more about working with Joanne as your coach, please check out joannesuppressi.com and contact her for more information. We're always on the lookout for new guests. If you're interested in joining us on an upcoming episode, just head over to beyondyourpastradio.com and contact us. We'd love to hear from you. Talk to you soon.